From the Department for Work and Pensions review of auto-enrolment in 2017 to the publication of its highly anticipated defined benefit white paper in March, the last 12 months have been busy regarding retirement saving. While a significant amount of progress has been made, plenty more is planned. The government is working on its single financial guidance body and intends to develop an authorisation regime to facilitate commercial consolidation. I'm Sophia Imerson, Associate Editor at Pensions Expert, and in this episode I'm joined by Minister for Pensions and Financial Inclusion Guy Opperman to discuss auto-enrolment phasing, saving solutions for the self-employed and super funds. Welcome, Guy. Thank you very much for asking me on. On April the 6th, minimum auto-enrolment contributions increased and they're set to rise again in 2019. There are concerns that some savers may opt out. So what are your thoughts on this issue? I'd like to make the point that sort of uh, auto-enrolment has been the number one priority that I have had in this job uh, since I took over in the summer of last year. Mm. Trying to ensure that the April increase uh, went, relatively speaking, without a hitch, that everybody understood that what they were getting into and that the opt-outs were as low as possible has been my number one priority. And that continues as we proceed to April 2019. I think it is a fair point to say that um, it is early days in the sense that you know we're barely um, six to eight weeks post uh, the increase in April. But at the same stage, all the present indications are very, very good. And I base that on a number of things. I base that on the very positive um, engagement from the industry, the very positive feedback from individual constituents and also um, organisations I've met up and down the country uh, as we've been sort of monitoring this process. And also that the opt-out rates appear to be um, very low. I look at some of the the opt-out rates of organisations like now pensions, which see very, very low opt-out rates between their 22 and 29-year-olds. And there seems to be a gradual acceptance by all parts of the population that there has got to be uh, a greater emphasis on savings and pensions and investments as they go forward. And that is particularly prevalent amongst the young. Um, The government's auto-enrolment review uh, published last year set out some welcome proposals, but we still need to find a a concrete solution for the self-employed. So what more can be done here to get this group saving? Well, um. You've tackled one of the big issues that I've got going forward, which is sort of to how to take the massive success of auto-enrolment in its present situation. So we're over 9.5 million people Mm. who are employed, who have signed up to auto-enrolment. And we've got a huge thanks to to the um, hundreds of thousands of employers who have um, done their civic duty and their statutory duty by supporting the employers. But it's entirely right to say that what has been very successful as behavioural economics, nudge theory as you and I would know it, uh, works very, very well with an employer. It's very hard to do this when you don't have a specific employer to assist the process. So we have been looking at a variety of ways to try and take the successes of employed auto-enrolment and apply them to the self-employed. I speak as someone who was for 20 years a self-employed jockey and then a self-employed barrister Uh, working uh, without any uh, support in that particular way as an employer. And and I've got a huge understanding of the particular problems, represented dozens and dozens of people in the 20 years as a lawyer, seeing the difficulties that they had um, trying to save on a long-term basis. And I think I'd point to sort of three things. The first is we have a bunch of uh, trials that we're looking at, 
and we recently conducted a two-day hackathon with Treasury and with all the industry to see what um, individual solutions we could come up with. The second is that this is a work in progress that an awful lot of people are applying their minds to because it's obvious that no one size will fit all here. Um, there are a whole host of different uh, people who are self-employed and who need the benefits of auto-enrolment and they, they range from uh, the, the sort of the plumber or the plasterer who's a one-man band up to um, you know, white-collar lawyers or white-collar surgeons and in between there are a whole host of different people. We've got to come up with individual solutions to individual problems and that's what we're working on. And the third thing that I've been looking at in great detail is the appliance of fintech because it's my increasingly strong belief that the uh, capability of app-based financial services providers is going to be something that will be a massive assistance to the problem of uh, auto-enrolment for the self-employed. The reason is the growth of individual businesses that I've been meeting on a repeat basis, whether they are the likes of Plum, whether it's the likes of Moneybox, these are very clever um, nudge-based uh, behavioural economics uh, financial services companies that are very relevant to the modern era, who I believe are changing the way that people are savings and looking at investments and savings. And it is a very short step. Now, most of those companies at the moment are based on um, savings and investments. Mm. But in my view, it's a very short step from getting them to be thinking about savings and investments and ISAs to thinking about pensions. And they are the third element that I'm really looking at to see, well, how can we apply the successes that these private sector businesses are having engaging lots and lots of people with whether it is you know plum money box chip uh, monzo starling all these other businesses uh, to the pensions world and in my view they can and the government's currently working on the single financial guidance body how will it boost decision making among savers and, and when can we expect it to come into existence well we're in a position that the single financial guidance body uh, requires a chairman a chief executive and a board uh, we're working through the, the appointment process. We're certainly in a strong position, we believe, that this is something that's supported by the entire of the industry and all political parties. You know, the decision to amalgamate the three um, organisations, Pension Wise, the Pensions Advisory Service and the Money Advice Service, was something that was long called for. It had a very successful passage through Parliament. I think it's got a broader remit than was previously anticipated. In other words, that the scope of the particular organisation has a wider scope than it used to have. Uh, but in the reality of the situation, uh, we believe it will make it simpler to access high quality and partial information and guidance on pension and finances and advice on debt. And uh, we believe that we've got the right uh, organisation for a serious issue in serious times. In its debut white paper, the DWP encouraged the creation of commercial consolidators. And days after um, the paper was published, the UK's first consolidating vehicle, known as the Pension Super Fund, was announced. In light of this development, could you give us an idea of how far along the DWP is in terms of putting in place an authorisation regime? Well, I'd make two points here. So the, the direct answer to your question is that a consultation process to develop an authorisation framework is being carried out later this year. And then we'll look forward to bring uh, legislation in which these vehicles will be required to operate in due course. And it is obviously expected that any commercial pension consolidator will have to comply fully with that framework. Mm -hmm. 
but more generally, I'd make the point that I'm uh, going to a whole host of breakfasts, seminars, and general sit-downs with many, many providers to ensure that uh, I get the right degree of feedback on the DB white paper. Because if auto-enrollment was my number one priority, then the DB white paper, turning that into statutory process, is the second priority. And that's something that clearly is a massive impact upon the pensions framework uh, generally, but also upon the lives of so many people up and down this country. And how we regulate um, the DB sector on an ongoing basis with a light but firm touch so that, um, that we don't uh, punish those who are doing a fantastic job, as the vast majority are, but we also induce the appropriate amount of regulation uh, to make sure that this is fit for the future is something that I'm consulting on in an informal basis. I'm going to a whole host of events, as I say, but also that we'll be consulting on going forward with a view to bring in legislation, we hope, uh, as part of the Queen's speech next year. Thank you very much for joining us. For more on DB and DC pensions, please visit pensions-expert.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.